Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Well, it's Christmas season, yes. Yeah, you know what? what's funny to me is that I always sort of dread Christmas all the way up until about this time. And this time, I get to relax and celebrate. So we get to do that tonight. We get to celebrate Christmas together. Now that all the hubbub's done, hopefully you're not going to go shopping for Christmas gifts tonight, right? <laughs> hey, don't be angry if you do at anybody at a store because it's not their fault that you waited till Mary's water broke to go shopping. So anyway, you know, hopefully now we can just relax. Most of the work's been done. Now we can celebrate the fact that Jesus has come into the world. Um, I, I told my wife for Christmas what I want is I want a universal remote control because, man, that changes everything. <laughs> and this past week, I took my, uh, my, car to the, my old car to the mechanic and I said, uh, you know, my car's making a terrible noise. He started it up, and then he said, ooh, pop the Mariah Carey Christmas CD out, and now it sounds just fine. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I, I struggle sometimes with what to preach and how to preach during this season. But about a month ago, I heard a message and there was one line in the message that just grabbed my heart. And it sparked me for the better part of a month. I've wanted to share with you this message tonight. It's not so much sermon as it is a message. I've got something I want to deliver to your heart. And I'm going to ask you to just be open and hear it. All right? Good. I love having kids because they tell the truth. So would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? We're going to read from Luke chapter 1, verse 30. Y'all are right if I, uh, if, I don't, if I don't belabor this tonight. We just move through. We light our candles and sing our song and then get out of here soon. Y'all are right with that? Good, good. I hope so. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start here. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus, and he will be great. Now, that's good news if you're going to have a kid. They're going to be great. <laughs> Your kid's not going to be average. <laughs> He's going to be great, and he will be called Son of the Most High. Now, that's, that's quite a title. And the Lord will give him the what? Come on, the what? The throne. So this baby was destined for greatness and rulership. The throne of his father, David, the greatest king that Israel would ever have, he's going to have the throne. And his reign will be forever. He will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. And his kingdom will what? Never end. So this king is the final king. This is the king that lasts forever. So, Father, I pray that tonight, as we talk about the king that lasts forever, I pray our hearts would be open and you would speak to us. And I pray that the message that I present would be heard 
in hearts in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, before you're seated, you got to turn to somebody and say Merry Christmas and give them a big smile because they might not have heard it yet today and they need to hear it now. If you're online, Merry Christmas. All right. So King, when I talk about King, the concept is actually strange to us in America. We live in a mixture between a republic and a democracy. It's a, it's a weird mixture uh, made up by uh, a group of men, chief of which was a, a guy named John Adams and one of my heroes is John Adams anyway, but we don't understand kings because even though we sort of think our presidents are kings, they're not. You see, our president, for good, for bad, otherwise, I'm not commenting on the good or bad of it. I'm just simply commenting that our president just put a piece of legislature through that just failed this past week, and what he wanted to have happen didn't happen. That's our, is that our world? That's our world. A king, though, it was different because if a king wanted to make legislation, do you know what they said? This is my legislation. It's done. So we don't understand kings in America. We don't really understand how strange monarchy can be. Did you know, though, for example, speaking of strange monarchy, did you know that the Queen of England is probably, I think the Queen of England's the only person in the world that doesn't need a passport to travel? Did you know that? Because every passport in, in uh, England is issued in Her Majesty's personal name. Therefore, it would be silly for her to make a passport in her name from her so she can travel. So she's the only person in the world that uh, doesn't need a passport to travel. Her word, I guess, is more supreme than government. And antiquity, a king was sovereign. There was no higher authority. There was no court you appealed to. There was nothing. The king was the final authority. Now, us as a republic or a democracy, we don't understand the idea of some one person having ultimate say over all of our lives, whether we like it or not. But the concept of the king is that simple, simple idea. Absolute, 100% sovereignty, whether you like it or not. If you disagree with the king, do you know what the king does? Kills you. Pretty simple. He kills you. And this is a part of our understanding that's limited by our culture. We don't know what that's like. We have courts to try us. But there was this, maybe you've heard of King Henry VIII. Anybody ever hear of him? King Henry VIII had at least three wives killed. I don't guess it's very smart to marry him because he killed three of his wives. And anyone who was perceived as either a threat <coughs> to himself or to his ultimate goals of power and control literally got their head on the chopping block. And the exact number of executions, I did some research on this, the exact number of executions done by Henry, King Henry VIII, well, nobody really knows, but these are the estimates from the low end to the high end. You ready for this? Between 57,000 to 72,000 people killed by King Henry VIII because they got in his way. Guys, can we, just, can we just simply say that kingship is different than our world? 
And we have a little bit of a mental block when we talk about king because we think we can push back against a king and say, no, you don't got the right to tell me what to do. But you can't talk back to a king and tell them they don't have a right to tell you what to do because they have the right and the power of life and death over you. Hmm. So thankfully, we do have a king, but our king loves us. Our king wants us to have a life of peace. And just because we have a lack of understanding of true sovereignty doesn't mean that it's not still true whether we like it or not. So we need to realize that Jesus just isn't a suffering savior, our little eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. In a, uh, anyway, Jesus is the king, the sovereign over all the universe. So there are five statements I want to make about the kingship of Jesus that we must embrace. So the first statement is Jesus was born a king. This is part of the story, yes. Jesus was born a baby in a manger. Jesus was born a little cute, you know, with a halo over his head, I'm sure, and angels singing, right? Now, he's a regular baby, looked like a regular baby, but he wasn't a regular baby. He was different because he was born the king, not just of David and David's lineage, but of the entire universe. So here is the king, not just a prophet, not just a priest, not just a teacher, not just a leader, not just a good guy. Jesus is all of those things, but he's so much more. Jesus was born a king, if you will, the ultimate king. As a matter of fact, this is the, really what was established nearly everywhere we read the story. The, the first one I want to make mention of is these guys, you know, you might have heard of them, the, the wise men. Do you know why they came to look for Jesus? The reason they came is they were looking for a king. As a matter of fact, they, they weren't just looking for a king in, you know, like their country. They were looking for a king that was king that was king in the heavens, not just king on the earth, because they looked to the heavens and saw that he was going to be king, so much so that they made probably about an 800-mile journey to come worship and present gifts to the king. So, Hebrew, or, uh, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, by the time, or during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born, what? Come on, been born what? King of the Jews. We saw a star when it arose and we've come to worship him. So their journey was not a journey to see a baby in a manger. They came to see a king, a sovereign. No wonder that immediately Herod responded by trying to kill every baby boy in the area because Herod, I, I wish I could give you some history lessons about Herod. You see, Herod was a king that, how did Herod get his kingship? Well, first of all, he pitted a couple of Roman governors against themselves and he always chose the right side and he manipulated and he coerced and he killed, even killed his own sons, numerous of them. And, and here is Herod who sees that there's going to be another king and the thing he doesn't want is another king because Herod's king and Herod's learned if anybody gets in my way, I get rid of them. So no wonder he killed baby boys because uh, Caesar said of, of King Herod, he said, it's safer to be his pig, his huos in Greek, than his son, his uos. It's safer to be his huos than his uos. 
he was making a joke and a pun, and that's why I like that Caesar, because he made puns. But it wasn't safe to be King Herod's son because he was jealous for his kingship. So this kingdom of Jesus, yeah, it outlasted Herod. As a matter of fact, we aren't today singing songs about how Herod is king. But I think we sang a few about another king, right? So maybe the, maybe the Magi were right when they looked up in the sky and saw the stars. And they saw, you know what? There's going to be a king. Let's go see him. And what about this kingdom? This kingdom of Jesus, it was prophesied a long time ago. He's going to be king. Let's look at his prophecy. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. No, don't miss this. Mighty God. He'll just not be, this isn't a normal guy. This is wonderful counselor, mighty God. He is the everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. And of the greatness of the government and his peace, there will be no end. And he will, notice this, he will reign on David's throne. He will be a king on the throne of Israel and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and for forever and ever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So Jesus isn't just a king for a day. He's a king forever. And he's a king that lasts. Second of all, Jesus was killed for being king. A little later in his life, Jesus grows up, does his ministry. And when it comes time for him to die, he was killed. The official charge against him was Jesus is the king. You can read about it in Matthew chapter 27, verse 37. Above his head, they placed a written charge against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. He is the king. Why did Jesus die? Because he was the king and he was being rejected and he was being overthrown, they thought, by other governments. We see how good that turned out for all of them. Because do you know anything more about Pilate other than he killed Jesus? Probably not. But 2,000 years later, how many pilots do you know? Come on. How many kids do you know named Pilate? Nope, you don't. How many Caesars do you know? You know? You know what? We name our dogs things like that, right? But we don't. Our, our kids are named things like John and Peter and Matthew, the followers of Jesus. I'm just saying somebody was the real king and somebody wasn't. But understand this and understand this well. The reason Jesus was killed was he was a king. Third thing, Jesus is king of his eternal kingdom. Now, I need to, I need to bring this out because a lot of us, we think that Jesus just all of a sudden showed up on the night, you know, that the angel said, you'll be with child, Mary, but he didn't. There's this great song. This is a song of the early church. It was composed probably as early in the 40s. So we're talking seven, eight years after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. There was a song that was composed, and it was passed around the world. We find this song in a place called Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. And this is the song, Christ Jesus. And in the, I, I wish I had time to talk about it. Maybe a different time I'll talk about how there's rhyme, rhythm, meter, there's movement. All the, the phrases are corresponding in their strophes until they get to one central theme. And you've got the ABC, 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 and then the main theme. And then you've got CBA, 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 and it moves in and out. And why I tell you all that 
in words you don't understand. I'm going to tell you this. This is one of the most beautiful pieces of literature produced by the early church, and it was produced within about 10 years or less of Jesus' death, burial, resurrection. Not, not a fairy tale. These are people that saw him alive writing this stuff. It says, Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, and he humbled himself, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, notice the rebuild. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and give him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you see the build down, the build up? What you need to notice from this though, and there's a great theological debate known as the kenosis theory, and it's a debate, but what it actually means that Jesus took off his authority in heaven, laid it down and came to earth. Because here is the truth of this story, first told by the church within just a few years of his resurrection. This is not a myth or makeup or a fairy tale. Come on, these are the people that saw Jesus alive, writing literature to pass on to us to this very day. And here's what it says. Jesus was God in heaven before the world begins. And he took that off to become a human like us. So Jesus was king before the world begins. And he's going to be king after the world's done. I'm reading a book right now I just started. It's called The Death of Atheism. And one of the things it's talking about is this, is how that, that the Big Bang proves that there was a non-existence and that something had to come from nothing. And that's a proof that before everything we know ever started, there was something beforehand that had knowledge and power. What I'm telling you is Jesus' kingdom is not a kingdom for today. It's a kingdom that started before time, and it'll be done when time is over. And what he did was he came to this earth, and he died to show us his love and the love of God the Father. But then he went back to his position of king, and the Bible says that he now rules and reigns at the right hand of God with all power and authority before him. Make no mistake, the Jesus we serve is king forever. There was a king, his name was Sanut. It was, the years were 1014 to 1035. He ruled over England. He was a Danish king. And King Sanut got tired of hearing all of his people in his cortege flatter him with extravagant praises of his greatness, his power, his invincibility. So one day he said, take my throne down to the edge of the water at low tide. And he took his throne down to the beach at low tide and he sat in his throne right there and he said, I command you waters, do not come up and make me wet. And as the tide came in, he began to command the waters, stay back, stay back, stay back. But you know what they did? They came anyway. Do you know why they came anyway? Because he's not the real king and he didn't have that kind of power. But he commanded those waters to come to stay at a distance, but they got him wet. And when they got him wet, guess what? He took off his throne and he said, the only one we're going to call the real king from now on is Jesus. Don't, don't be just, hey, listen, listen. Jesus is the real king. And he was king before it all began and he'll be king after it's all over with. All right, the fourth promise is the king is coming. 
Jesus is the coming king. The beauty of Advent means that Jesus is arriving. He is a coming king. He, he is arriving to us. And that's what we've been celebrating, the arrival of Jesus, born as a babe the first time. But let's not forget that we're here to celebrate the arrival of the king the second time. Because when the king comes back the second time, he's not going to come back as a baby in a manger. He's coming back as the conquering king in which he is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he will establish his lordship over all of his rule. Revelation 19, 11, I saw heaven standing open and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called faith and faithful and true with justice. He judges and wages wars. His eyes are like a blazing fire and on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood and his name is the word of God. And the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. And coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which he will strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and his thigh is the name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. And when Jesus comes back the next time, that's how he's coming. Let's remember that he's king. All right. When I was, a, when I was younger, I had little kids in the house. My wife would do the most loving thing you can imagine as a, as a wife. When I would come home from work, and she was probably ready to kill the children, and she was making food and trying to get everything ready in the day, and I would come through the door, instead of like, here he is, go to your dad. Do you know what she would do? This is what she would do. And, and I'm still amazed that she was so smart. When I would open the garage door, I would hear my wife yell, daddy's home. Now, you know what she was doing? You know what, y'all know what she was doing, right? She was getting all the attention off her and onto me. And they would come around, they'd tackle me and they'd do all that kind of, but you know, you know what? That wasn't a, your dad's home. Why don't you go bug him? Do, do you hear the attitude of her voice? Daddy's home. And my kids and my wife, they always sounded like they liked me coming home. It may not be the truth, but it always sounded that way. And when it sounded that way, you know what that did to the atmosphere of our house? When we look forward to daddy coming home and the kids would look forward and the words would come out of her mouth like that, there would be an atmosphere in the household created by an expectation and a recognizing that daddy was coming home. Hey guys, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, I want to be ready. I want to be expecting. I don't want to be like everybody else in the world, all worried about him coming back. Come on, when he comes back, he is king of kings and Lord of lords. And the early church used to say it this way. Y'all ready? Maranatha. Can y'all say it with me? Maranatha. What it means is come quickly, Jesus. Can we all say it together? One, two, three. Maranatha. So we look forward. That's our version of daddy's home. He's coming back. All right, last of all, Jesus invites you into his kingdom. You know, he invited you and I to be a part of his kingdom. Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, you, Jesus, have made them, us, that's us, to be a kingdom and priest to serve our God, and we will reign on the earth. You know, God made you to be a priest. 
God made you to be a part of his kingdom. God made you to be a special person in his kingdom. You are not without purpose. God did not make an accident when he made you. God made you to be a part of his kingdom, a part of who he is and what he wants to do in this world. He's, 2 Corinthians puts it this way, puts it this way, 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God makes his appeal through us. Do you know what an ambassador does? An ambassador represents their government, and our government is King Jesus, ruler over all of heaven before time, ruler over all heaven and earth right now, and ruler over all heaven and earth for all eternity, and he made you his representative in this world, if you're willing to accept it. You know what our job is? I just finished the book, Live No Lies. I just finished it. Man, it was so good. I just finished this. And, and, and they brought up something. I've read two other books basically say the same thing this past year. On my reading list, most of them were saying the same thing. All right, I, I'm going to make this really simple, okay? Y'all ready? Anybody ever been in a car or at a table and somebody goes, Ooh. anybody ever done that? Anybody ever done that? What happens to every person in the car or around the table? What happens? Come on, what happens? You yawn. There's something in your brain that is hardwired to interact with the people around you and to grow together and to be together. And somehow your yawn affects their yawn, affects somebody else's yawn. Anybody ever experienced that? Am I the only person? Listen, you and I, as a part of the kingdom of God, we are influenced by our heavenly father, our loving Jesus, who is king over the universe, has all power in his hands. And he tells us, go represent me. Just go out into the world. You don't have to tell them all they're doing right and wrong. Don't tell them all that. Just yawn. Just show them. Just be my ambassador in the world. Go represent me. And that's what we are. Come on, band, come on up. We are a beautiful resistance. This world is nuts. And they're trying to drag you down and they're trying to bury you and they're trying to make you think and act like you're crazy for thinking straight. And I just want to tell you this to the world. Y'all ready, the world? Y'all ready, world? Take this, take this. Jesus is King Maranatha. Oh. I'm going to yawn and I'm going to live for Jesus and I'm going to do my thing for Jesus and I'm going to invite you into this beautiful resistance that we can resist the craziness of this world and step into the love and the grace and the mercy and the fullness of God's blessing and of his kingdom there will be no end and we get to participate in all of his goodness and that's what we get to do here. That's it. I tell you what, you guys, y'all guys respond like this on Sunday morning. I might preach better. I, I want to give you one final one. Y'all ready? Final, final verse. Y'all ready? If he is king, there's only one response. It said in the Philippians passage that every knee will bow before him and every tongue will confess. It will happen. It will happen whether you like it or not. It will happen. You will do it. I just choose to beat the rush. I'm not a last minute shopper here. I'm not a last minute saver. I'm not going to wait till the last minute and bow my knee on the deathbed. No, I, I'm going to do it now. 
and I'm going to live under the kingdom and the rulership of Jesus right now. So he is king and he is Lord and I confess Jesus, you are Lord. And the Bible says that if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, then you become a part of his kingdom too. Come on, the water's good. You know, anybody ever been in a swimming pool and they're like, is the water cold? And there's that one person, they're always out there swimming away. And what do they say? Come on in, the water's good. I just want to tell you this. The only thing you're going to lose if you step into Jesus' kingdom is you're going to lose a purposeless life. That's it. Oh, you'll have more fights and struggles. And you'll have to fight with your self and your desires. And you'll have to stand against the world and yawn when they're telling you to act a different way. But, but you know what? Maranatha. Because when he comes back, he's going to make it all straight. So I wanted us to sing a song about the rulership and lordship of Jesus. And I, I want to give you an invitation right now. I'm going to make this very simple. If there's something in your heart, not my talking you into it, there's something going on in you. And you know Jesus is begging you to come be a part of his kingdom. I'd just like you right now to say, Jesus is Lord. Just go ahead and declare it. It's not the last talk you and Jesus will have to have, but it can be your first. And your first is, I don't understand you. Sometimes I don't even like you. I'm not even sure I believe all of this, but you know what? If you're really who you, this guy up there says you are, Jesus is the Lord. Just make that confession. Let's sing this song together.